hang out at Dockside Bars. Do you like baseball, Jimmy? I like baseball. Welcome to the podcast that we do. It's called White Nerds Complain About Marvel Movies. White Nerd, what have you learned? White Nerd. Oh, you could have been more anti yourself. Uh, Remember that Shushu song? Yeah, but I was. It made me think of another song, and then I lost it. Under oh, Judy, <laughs> what you gonna do? All right, <laughs> big things to talk about today. This this week, there's some big items on the list. Number I, one, I don't know what they are, but go ahead. Number one, classic World of Warcraft has come out. Oh yeah, I'm a plan. I'm not playing it. I am at this point. I had planned on reading um some erotic World of Warcraft fan fiction for you to create hype. Yeah, I remember remember the one? You yeah, the it. one that Blizzard had to be like, uh, we don't support this. <laughs> I tried my, to find that one. What was it like Blunderbust or my Dwarven <laughs> oh, hand, no, hand Cannon? No, that was different where he oh. was on the RP realm. Yeah, and, yeah, that's that's the one I was uh, talking about. No, there was one where uh, a player had just written like a oh long form. Yeah, I vaguely anthology. remember that one. It's not as fun as the guy that was in the RP realm and like just kinda interceded his way into yeah, conversation. I pull out my Dwarven hand cannon. <laughs> yar yar hump pump. <laughs> Yeah, but so I spent untold hours, honestly, trying to find the something one was like that had like the right punch, the right length, not too like you couldn't find because I didn't want to sit here read. And then she got tied up, and he blasted her butthole. And blah, blah, blah. But I read a lot of World of Warcraft erotic fan fiction, and um, uh, there is it's really self indulgent if you can imagine. Dude, I mean, like, the the erotic fiction that actually gets published is really self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Like, Fifty Shades of Grey is ridiculous. And um, incredibly problematic. World Warcraft it has a big problem with rape. Oh, no, there's a <laughs> shock. <laughs> so, I, I was like, ooh. I don't know. I can't do this. Nerd culture has a big problem with rape. Yeah. I was like, nope, I can't do this. I mean, there was some interesting ones. But <laughs> how can you write seven pages of like a forced bondage scene? You know what I mean? How can I? How can you read? Seven how did pages? I read seven pages? <laughs> the best one was like about a blood elf coming to Orgrimmar to find out if her blood elf husband was cheating on her, and she just had to sell herself into sex slavery to some orcs. Cause get it, orcs are uh, um are black people. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like, oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> So yeah, uh, World of Warcraft erotic fan fiction very problematic. I understand why Blizzard wanted to distance themselves from it. Uh, they tried to do that with Overwatch too, where they're like, oh, oh, "Don't really want to sexualize our characters," but I think that's the whole reason people play Overwatch is so they can make Overwatch porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can taste it in my throat. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been playing it. What level uh, are you? That's the important thing. So. I got to level 30. That's the uh, shoulder pad levels? No, shoulder pads are around like 15 to 20. Okay. but um, I don't remember anymore. So around level 30 is when you're starting to do quests in like Thousand Needles. Oh, and, I hate that um, place. Like Arathi Highlands. Mm-hmm. And so I got level 30. I was in Thousand Needles and I was like, well, let's go check out like Arathi Highlands, blah, blah, blah. As soon as I went there, um, this wave of like nostalgia depression washed over me where I immediately was like transported back to me at 18 <laughs> and like the weird like isolation and depression that particular flavor of depression I had when I was 18 like came flooding back to me and I was like oh I don't know if I can play this game anymore <laughs> <laughs> like it just made me feel really bad and I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do yeah and then so I haven't played it since then um which sucks I wish I wasn't like so sensitive about shit like that but i was just like oh god i wasn't very happy when i was 18 <laughs> i honestly don't know if i can go back and play world of warcraft because it's just a like all the people i play with don't play anymore yeah it's just really a huge time anymore sink. and I, it just would be me me by myself or me and, and i guess you but we know our schedules don't always match up really well yeah so that's why that's a big reason why i'm not doing it plus it's you know money and time that i could be doing other shit with you know, I'm not I'm not 18 years old anymore. I got I got shit to do. You were never 18 playing World of Warcraft. You like 20 when it came out. Was I? I don't remember when it came out. November 2004. Oh, yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. I'm too much of a wimp. I have too long of a story, uh, checkered past of depression and shit. <laughs> I hate when, like, things remind me of, like, previous, like, 
flavors of depression I've had. It was, it was like too much. I was like, oh, uh oh. <laughs> so then I watched. You're triggered. <laughs> yeah, the Great British Baking Show a lot, <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't played since then. Your happy place is the Great British <laughs> Baking Show. Well, it is like so nice and relaxing to watch. Um, but man, like it is such like a bourgeois tv show like all the people on it well i, was I mean it's british so i was thinking about it too um i mean at least like england's not so anglo anymore so it's not just a bunch of angles or englishmen but i was watching that i was like man everyone in this show is like fucking wealthy you know they Posh. talk about their hobbies and stuff and i was like that kind of makes sense because fucking baking as a hobby like, who the fuck has time or money to do that? You know what I mean? I, I mean, no, no one really. I mean, yeah, baking's not like an expensive hobby, but it is a time to, consuming. Like, no, I mean, to like the cakes and shit they do. Yeah, to be but able I mean, to like, just to, the, like, oh, I'm going to practice doing like a three-tiered blah, blah, blah cake, and if I fuck up, whatever, it only costs $100. Yeah, well, here's the thing. The other thing, too, is I don't even love, like, the whole idea of making a cake that looks very pretty but tastes awful is disgusting to me, so. Well, the big part of the greatest great british baking i, I can't show. stand like the de- super decorations on cake. i think it's i don't bullshit. know they don't do that shit and well there's they like do it, just yeah, in a different but, way yeah i mean it's less it tastes good yeah so class consciousness kind of ruins that show but i was like whatever at least like every season's got like a waifu or a husband doing it <laughs> and then uh, noel fielding's like one of the hosts now so that's cool uh, he, uh, there's an episode where he was trying to explain to one of the contestants uh old greg from mighty boosh and I was like, what yeah. a career. <laughs> I was like, wow, no feeling. You really did. Yeah, you man. made it, man. It's crazy that he is like so mean, mainstream in England now. Yeah, well, I would not have expected it from when I remember watching Mighty Boosh. Yeah. <clears throat> well, he just got like super popular doing like the panel shows that are popular in England. And everyone was like, he's weird, but he's funny. So he made it, I guess. <laughs> Those British still love those panel shows. I don't get it. They're fucking good, man. I'll still watch them on YouTube and stuff. I love watching like the big fat quiz of the year around um, Christmas time. Um, we're far afield from your your list. World of Craft classics, item one. What's number two? Well, f- number one feeds into number two because we were talking about World of Warcraft, which is the playground of frustrated white incels. I'm talking about myself at 18. I wasn't an incel, but who really cares about the internalized depression of a white man, you know? So that kind of feeds into topic two, though. Where I'm going to ask you, what what do you get when you take uh, two early Martin Scorsese movies, mash them together, and uh, tie it into a, a super popular mainstream intellectual property? Oh, shit. The Joker. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's Taxi Driver and <laughs> Raging Bull. King of Comedy. King of Comedy. Oh. He's even dressed like De Niro. Yeah, King of you know what? I forgot King of Comedy. And De Niro's in Joker, and it looks like a hundred percent. It's a King of Comedy. Yeah, no, it is just like a ripoff. I don't know why people are like. Oh, mean, that's okay. I we talked about this on uh, off air, and I guess it's more. It's kind of a becoming more of a prevalent thought. But it seems so weird to do a Joker story right now where he's the, the protagonist. You know what I mean? Even though if you probably, hopefully, you're not portraying him as like a good person. Oh, and then not have Batman in it as a as a foil. Yeah, like I people already elevate the Joker in a weird degree, and like the Joker and Holly Quinn relationship in a way that I think is very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Well, surely this movie will explore the nature of joker and i would hope so but i don't think so by the way you're looking at me oh well let's uh i haven't read anything about it but you're you're being very coy right now well let me just read to you um a snippet from i'm uh, just reading between the lines kyle is what i'm getting david uh ehrlich has seen the joker because it premiered at the venice film festival Uh this week this past week and uh, let me just read to you a snippet from his critique <clears throat> Joker is the human-sized and adult-oriented comic book movie that Marvel critics have been clamoring for. There's no action, no spandex, no obvious visual effects, and the whole thing is so gritty and serious that DCEU fanboys will feel as if they've died and seen the Snyder Cut. <laughs> but it's the also- Snyder Cut? Fuck that. I hate that idea. Fuck you guys. Snyder's bullshit. Snyder All right, well, cut. he's putting that in here to call out the DC fanboys. Yeah, I uh, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> 
But it's also the worst case scenario for the rest of the film world as it points towards a grim future in which the inmates have taken over the asylum and even the most repulsive of mid-budget character studies can be massive hits and Oscar contenders so long as they are, they're at least tangentially related to some popular intellectual property. The next Lost in Translation will be about Black Widow and Howard Stark spending a weekend together at a Sokovia hotel. The next Carol will be an achingly beautiful period drama about young Valkyrie falling in love with a blonde woman she meets in an Asgardian department store. <laughs> so Asgard like is now department stores. Ridiculous. Well, it's basically just... Yeah, I know, I get it. You know, comic book movies are so apocryphal now that... Yeah, I know. Oh, it's so basically, as we said, uh, rehashing Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy. Yeah. But the Joker's in it now, so I'm the Joker, baby. Look <laughs> at me money. I'm the Joker, baby. So I um have sort of mixed feelings about it because I do like Joaquin Phoenix. And uh, Todd Phillips made uh, one good movie. It was actually his uh, student film. It's called Hated Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. It's a documentary about GGL. Mm-hmm. That was made in the 90s when he's a student. Since then, hasn't done anything good. <laughs> so I don't know why all of a sudden he'd be like, yes, let me take on the monumental task of copying Martin Scorsese for a social commentary starring <laughs> the Joker, baby. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Like, it seems so weird to do. I don't understand why Joker needs to be a character study. Well, Todd Phillips' Joker is unquestionably the boldest reinvention of superhero cinema since The Dark Knight. A true original that's sure to be remembered as one of the most transgressive studio blockbusters of the 21st century. It's also a toxic rallying cry for the self-pitying incels in a hyper-familiar origin story so indebted to Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy that Martin Scorsese, Scorsese probably deserves an executive producer credit. I think he is a producer on the film, though. Oh, is he? Yeah. It's uh, possessed by the kind of provocative spirit that's seldom found in any sort of mainstream entertainment, but also directed by a glorified edgelord who lacks the discipline and nuance to responsibly handle such hazardous material, and who reliably takes the the coward's way out of the narrative's most critical moments. Cool. So basically everything I thought was going to happen, I was afraid of. Well, that's the big thing that uh, a lot of um, criticism is critics are are confronting right now is, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Um, it's impressive because it is just a shitty cash grab, uh, intellectual property, character study, bullshit, capitalism. Oh, look, it's the Joker, guys. And then also, yeah, as you can imagine, he's, uh, the Joker's made relatable because he's the protagonist. You need to understand his inner thoughts and inner workings and his motivations. Otherwise, what the fuck are you watching? Problem is, Joker's a piece of shit. (laughs) So, (laughs) what's the point? I don't I mean, know. So that's the thing is, I don't necessarily have a problem with a confrontational film, uh, but I do see why it can be dangerous on such a mass mainstream scale, especially since it seems to be kind of the point of the film is Todd Phillips wanted to say that so it addresses like modern politics and sociological problems. But as this review says, like, why would Todd Phillips have the panache to address that issue? I feel like all it's going to do is validate some of the existing feelings that like fragile, estranged white boys have. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of what the Joker has already become in pop culture. Yeah. I mean, you saw The Dark Knight and then again in, in Suicide Squad even a little bit. I mean, I, I guess I'll withhold all my judgment until I actually see the, the movie. But it, it, it does seem uh, like they didn't really think about it as much as, uh, as they probably should have. Well, I think they thought about it as much as Todd Phillips and the writers and stuff are probably capable of. Like we talked about last week with Valley Girl, where there's such a narrow field of they view in Hollywood. Like I, they don't. I guess. So Todd Phillips doesn't know anything about real life, you know? I mean, that hmm. he doesn't know what's going on in the world. He just reads like Twitter comments and shit. And he's like, oh, okay, these are real issues. I can address them. Hold on, I'll handle it. Let me just put the Joker in it. Because you've seen, you've if you've seen the trailers, you get the idea. Yeah. It's, and if you've seen King of Comedy and Taxi Driver, it's like plot beats that are exactly the same, apparently. Well, I mean, he, uh, they even, if you go back and read the comic books, like The Killing Joke, uh, The Man Who Laughs, they have some of those same elements in it. The Man Who Laughs? I mean, uh, Victor Hugo's novel. Well, but I mean, there was a Joker... Story yeah, I know. I'm just, asshole. I'm just yes, talking about how Tyler, Tyler talking it. about how um comic books have been creatively bankrupt for decades. Now. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just a, a dangerous game to play. And so there's going to be a lot of people that are like, well, it's just a movie. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes art can be provocative in the wrong ways. <laughs> so No, you, Kyle, you, movies aren't saying anything. And they also, so the same people that say, hey, it's just a movie are the same people that really want to legitimize comic book movies as an art form. Yeah. So you can't have it both, can't ways. Have it both ways. So is it art? It's not, it's not. Uh, it's not art. It's not you political. Know, it's also the same people that talk about video games. They're like, oh no, video games aren't trying to actually say anything or be political, and but they're also art. Just the best. Hey, of both hey, you know, I want my chosen form of media to be recognized as important, but I don't want it to be critiqued in any way. I don't want to have to think about what I consume, Kyle. When they do want to think about it, they just no, they don't. don't they want to. They, 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 they want to look at it very superficially. That's not oh, thinking yeah. about. It. But they they want other people to. Uh, feel exactly the same way they do about it but be free from any criticism <laughs> come on aren't video games just the best they i mean i really like super mario brothers 3 super mario brothers 3 and the um late stage capitalism of japan <laughs> am i right fellas that was a little before they got into real late stage capitalism they're still riding high and that was like 89 <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're still just regular out of control capitalism <laughs> what's item three on your list is it the actual movie Yep, item three. Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. World of Warcraft is shitty in for incels, and it makes me sad. Joker is shitty in for incels, and it makes me sad. Angry? I don't know. I don't know what it makes me feel. I guess the thing is, I just don't... It makes me feel that um, film is dead. It just seems so weird. I don't necessarily... I didn't ever want or need, and I still don't... I'm not really that interested in a, a movie that explores the Joker. No. I don't really care. Like there's already the Killing Joke already exists. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Who cares? I'm just who fucking cares, man? I just don't care about any of these comic book movie characters or comic book characters as film. Um, I'm not sure the Joker a character study about the Joker is supposed to like be a substantial study of society as a whole, as filtered through the corruption of Gotham and how that applies to our world but it's being made by a major corporation and i don't know everything about it is just bullshit you know what i mean it's still yeah don't worry guys we live in a society (laughs) (laughs) well you know how you create a joker right you just put a guy in society (laughs) society nick k nicholas cage is bigger than i realized because john goodman doesn't make him look tiny well, you see him in the police lineup a few times. He looks like he's about close to six feet. Yeah. I'm just so used to John Goodman towering <laughs> over everybody in movies. It looks weird. Well, John Goodman's not super tall, is he? Well, he's, he's like, for I an actor, he's like six he is. Or 6'4". So, yeah, he's reasonably tall for an actor. Yeah, and then he's huge. He's also, like, not super fat in this one. You yeah. Know I mean? He's, like, overweight, but he's not as big as he gets later on. <clears throat> this is also... So, this is uh, Coen Brothers' second movie after Blood Simple, mm-hmm. which up until they made... um. No Country for Old Men, Blood Simple really kind of stood out in their filmography. Yeah, because they had these weird, like... Uh, I guess Miller's Crossing, which is, like, my favorite gangster movie of all time. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, usually they're just kind of folk tales in a way. They make a lot of movies that exist in their own... Yeah, and there's a certain amount of whimsy to it. Yeah, but... Um, I mean, that's true to a certain extent of even, like, No Country for Old Men. It's not... It's, like, more of a sinister... <clears throat> whimsy but it does definitely exist in its own world yeah but it's cormac mccarthy's world so yeah, it's like true. a real evil southwest you know <laughs> the the raising arizona takes place in southwest but it's like the coen brothers like hyper fantasy redneck version of arizona because this shit takes place around tempe yeah and i was like what there's <laughs> a scene where they they're like oh we got an affordable star home in the tempe suburbs and it's a trailer park out straight up in the middle of the desert and i was like Tempe's like a major city, and it has been for like 100 years. Yeah, even <laughs> since like 83, guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's like in um, Sicario, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I've heard it. Day of the Saldito. <laughs> no, in the very first one, oh. even the one directed by uh, Mr. Denis Villeneuve, who is an amazing director. He's very uh, keen as uh, people circle jerk about on the internet. But um, there's a part where they go. They free like uh, sex trafficking victims, and there's like an overhead shot, and like, yeah, it's Chandler, Arizona. Oh, yeah, I remember and that. It looks like it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's like, what? You didn't like scout out like what Chandler, <laughs> Arizona looked like? 
<laughs> it looks like fucking suburbs and uh, you can yeah no you can't tell you can drive from Chandler uh, like a, for two hours and not see the desert so um well I mean you just go to the freeway and like there's desert you know like there's really. elements of the desert everywhere yeah I mean it's not like the middle of nowhere kind of desert it's it's, it's like, actually kind of like the middle of Arizona too. Bum, 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 bum. Well, I can't get this essay to load, but here's the basic idea. Just like to kind of follow through on the other things we talked about and the through line from last week where uh, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning of the podcast, but didn't really talk about it so much with the movie. Yeah. I, when I watched Raising Arizona, I was looking through it because uh, I've seen it like a million times now. I think. Yeah, I know. It's like really easy. It's a fucking fun movie. It's really easy to watch. It's apparently like Matthew McConaughey's favorite movie. So he's watched it like hundreds of times. But I was like, all right, so. Hmm, is this your favorite? This is not my favorite Coen Brothers movie, but it's up there. Um, No, it's not my favorite. I like. As far as like. I don't know. This is going to sound weird, but as far as like rewatchability, I'll sit down and watch Oh Brother Where Art Thou whenever I get a chance. I think that's most people. That's definitely like their number one Coen Brothers comedy movie. Yeah. Because, you know, they have two separate tracks they have like weird comedy movies and then like serious and violent movies so i'm like usually their violent movies stand out more to me but i do like violence in film i know that sounds weird but it's interesting so i like miller's crossing a lot no country old men blood simple but no but like yeah brother art thou and raising arizona and like even like burn after reading yeah or, that's pretty good in that and, yeah, uh, intolerable Rich. cruelty. Like they have some like movies that are like just not as up to par as you would think for the Coen Brothers. But even those are pretty good. Lady Killers. Um, I actually still can't really watch the Lady yeah. Killers. It's like too boring to me or something. But uh, their most uh, recent comedy, um, the one about like old school Hollywood. I forget what it's called. Hail Caesar. Oh, Hail Caesar. That one's like really fucking good. It's. <laughs> It's just got like some... Oh, yeah, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs is good, too. Except for... I don't really like one of the stories in it. The one with James Franco. Oh, I like that. Well, I guess it's all right. I think it's like the weakest one. That's true. Best one is Tom Waits as a gold digger. Yeah, I really like that one. Um, yeah, I don't... Coen Brothers have been a big part of my life. I know it's like a like a super pretentious like, white nerd thing to say, but... Yeah, like they've really helped kind of formulate like certain tastes that I have in film. So that's pretty cool. Thanks, Coen Brothers. <laughs> All right, so what's the, uh, oh, the, uh, just the thrust um, of your essay? Um, so uh, it's actually an essay by Evan Kelly. If anyone can find it, you can go and read it. It's pretty good. It's about um, the Coen Brothers and masculinity. And he uses three of their films to present his thesis about basically the performative aspect of masculinity and then the reality of masculinity three films uses are fargo big lebowski and raising arizona i think big lebowski and fargo have much more direct commentary on what masculinity is but you can see like the little kernels of it in raising arizona i mean wasting arizona of those ones the only one really deals with fatherhood necessarily which i think there is an an element uh specifically to masculinity and fatherhood that um, people tend to overlook. I think so too. But uh, raising Arizona, as far as well, I guess it's tied into masculinity. But as far as um the having children aspect goes in raising Arizona, I feel like it's more about uh, following normative behavior, even if it's not necessarily for you. You know what I mean? Here's a basic idea. Nicholas Cage is a he's a career criminal basically. He's a really shitty. He's, he's a an awful career. Robber. He's a terrible career criminal. <laughs> like, he doesn't use bullets because he doesn't want to hurt anyone, and he just gets caught like every time he robs a convenience store. And he also can't get very much money from robbing the convenience store. And you'll probably get shot robbing a convenience store. <laughs> so, you know, just not great. Uh, <laughs> but he meets uh, Edwina or Ed, who's a, a police officer. And uh, she, they just meet enough times where they just fall in love. <laughs> like the opening, like ten minutes of the movie is great, where he just keeps getting arrested, and you just see Ed in like different, like periods of her life. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice? Uh, I'm not sure what it is. Is it 
You don't really notice it now with Nicolas Cage because he's got, he's like overweight. Or not overweight, but he's like old man, like dad looking uh-huh. kind of guy. So, uh, and he's always got a beard now too. But he, does he, he has like a weak chin or like a weak jaw or something. Cause so like, even though he's thin in this movie and you can see his jawline, it's like, he just, I don't know, is it, I can't, like, can't figure out, is it like, does he have a weak chin or like a weak jaw? He just like doesn't have like as much jaw as like a uh, Hollywood actors normally do. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Let's I'm... talk about masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's right. Those are that's the masculine features right. to have like a strong jawline, and he like kind of does it. And I was watching it, not because I was like, oh, he's less of a man now because he's Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is dope as fuck. But I was like. What is it? Is it a weak chin or is it? Because it's not like a weak chin like Englishmen have those Anglo's. Yeah, where it's like receded. Yeah, but it's like he's got a thin one. He's got yeah, a, like, he's like got a, just, a more effeminate chin. Yeah, there's like not as much there. Well, but then I was like, women usually have like pretty strong. Their jawline's usually pretty defined. So mm-hmm. It's like not as large as a man's, but so it's like not effeminate either it's like we can't figure out is it his jaw is like really narrow or something i don't know <laughs> i don't know I, it was just really i was like huh what What's well, this has been this? uh nick cage's chin podcast oh also that is just kind of how his chest hair grows did you see that because in this movie when they show him without a shirt he still has like that weird v pattern no i think he shaves it that way because i actually went and looked at uh uh pictures of, of uh, nick cage um I specifically googled Nick Cage chest hair, and mm. it seems like it did different periods. He has very different chest hair. I think he, I honestly think he shaves it like that. It looks too much like he's trying to accentuate his pecs. Hmm. Maybe I don't know. I was like, that's just, it's just such like a weird shape, though. It I'm is. more just like his chest hair didn't he's, grow. He's got a freak chest hair. Yeah, his chest hair just most of it grew in later or something. It's like I don't know. You get hairier over time. <laughs> Nicholas Cage just grew it all on his chest. Anyhow. Manness. Masculinity. Raising the Arizona, uh, there's a lot of performative masculinity because our hero, H.I. McDonough, hi, doesn't really fit into what would be classified as normative masculinity, mm-hmm. right, in mainstream society. He doesn't really fit into mainstream society at all. So Ed is a police officer, though, but he, like, kind of takes her away from... Her normal lifestyle. Well, he doesn't take her away. No, but... she kind of takes him away because, like, they—they're well, to... both pulling each other to this like center that yeah. neither of them belong in. And the movie, film kind of alludes to it, at, where they're like thinking of busting up, as they say, <laughs> where they're just like, "Yeah, we, we don't, we want different things," and blah blah. blah. It's like, no, they actually work together. We're all as a team. It's just they're both trying to achieve something that they don't actually really need. You know what I mean? And it seems like they're doing it for society's benefit right they're performing societal obligations i mean that seems like a real big stretch to what and you mean like the the them getting together or the baby part the baby part a baby that seems like a big stretch because they specifically go out of their way to snatch a child yeah but nick cage doesn't really want to as soon as they do it he gets really nervous and flustered about it that's what everybody does that was a kid though yeah and then but then um, Ed's trying to like, oh, they invite over his supervisor. And right. They're just trying to, she's talking about, oh, now we got like real friends of quality and they're trying to like have a suburban normal lifestyle, but mm-hmm. it doesn't suit them at all. Right. There's a scene where he's using his shoehorn to put on his like fucking gators. They look like, and it's just like, he's putting on a costume. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not H.I. McDonough. Right? right. He's putting on a costume to infiltrate the underworld that is like normal suburbia and then we find out his supervisor is just a fucking loser dickhead and so which is everybody <laughs> yeah but that's what i mean is he's also performing some role some masculinity role that doesn't actually really suit him or suit most people but you just gotta fall in line kind of the movies of two minds really about the stealing the baby part because some of it is just seemingly they just want to have a baby, right? But then a lot of it is there then, like, is a lot of commentary the, on uh, how it fits, like what the societal nature of like having a child is, you know, and like yeah. why they need to. Well, do Well, I mean, there's two things too. Like, there's what society expects you to do when you have a kid, and there's what you actually want to do when you when mm-hmm. you have a kid. Like, you can see it too in like um, Gail and God, what's his brother's name? Avell. Avell. 
Um, when they take the kid, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to give him back and get that money. But as soon as they have the kid, they're like, oh, fuck this. We love this kid. We're going to keep him. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just like a fucking phenomenal kid. Like when Nick Cage steals him, he's like, yeah, this, this is the best one. <laughs> yeah, this is the best one. He must just be a phenomenal kid you love being around or something. But I also think that um, with Gail and Avell, it's uh, just because they're like Coen Brothers villains in air quotes where like they're like teethless you know they're like relatable <laughs> and like comical or it's like, i guess but then the other guy i feel like that's a cop-out like though that's just because they're coen brothers villains and uh they don't have any real motivation but the reason that you know uh hi and ed have so much problem is because there's this deep meaning behind it like you that's again like you're trying to have it two ways well what is the motivation for gail and avel to care about the kids aside from it, the comedic elements of it <laughs> You know what I mean? So I don't think it's two ways. I think that's kind of what Gail and Avell are used for. Like, there is much more character development with H.I. McDonough and Ed than there is Gail and Avell. And well, the yeah, but there's, all, the only, there's much more character development with H.I. And, and Ed than anybody in the movie, though. Yeah, but that's sort of the, so the motivations for the two uh, Greaser brothers, or they don't say what their last names are. but Yeah, they do. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but they steal the kids for the ransom money. Right. And then... They just fall in love with the kid because it's funny. You know what I mean? Like, there isn't very much motivation to it. Uh, I mean, I guess the argument would be that, you know, the motivation... I don't know. We can, I guess preternatural right, instincts yeah. of fatherhood. But. Societal bonding. I mean, humans will pack bond with anything, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's in there. And then there's also um, Smalls, right? Uh, Lester Smalls, the Mad Max character who just, like, doesn't fit in at all but it's the coen brothers movie so you're like yeah whatever i like how soft spoken that dude is yeah and uh that's uh tex tex ellis or something like that he's a character, character actor. Actor, yeah. yeah you know you've, coen seen, brothers, him. you've seen him before coen brothers love character actors <laughs> yeah, you got uh that mcmurray guys in it um francis mcdermott's in it obviously that's uh joel coen's wife or is it eden i don't one of the coen brothers is married to her they've been married to her for a long ass time she's also in blood simple like she's kind of major partnership with the Coen brothers. She's done a lot for them with them. All that sort of stuff. She's a badass lady. She's funny in this movie. Just does <laughs> like the fucking crazy suburban mom. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I mean. So they have all, just like every Coen brothers movie, there's a slew of just great character actors that are in it. Um, this guy Smalls is, even he's got, there's, so he's got a mama never loved me tattooed on him. He's got like his bronze baby shoes he wears as like a trinket. He's got a Woody Woodpecker tattoo too. Like uh, they highlight that a couple times. I don't know. I yeah. What's the relevance of that? Like they're more alike than they think. I think is what it is. Like maybe um, High's also got like a checkered past with familial bonds. Mm -hmm. And it's also does uh, High predict the future with his dreams or does he manifest do his dreams manifest in reality because like he dreams about smalls before he arrives and he seems like a, a dream like figure right he's like a totemic like, yeah evil. like he doesn't actually exist in, in yeah. the world but but then he shows up and you're like well he's talking to people intimidating <laughs> and stuff so yeah there's an element of abandonment or having a bad childhood how does that lead to you raising children uh, so, um, basically high is a really complex character and a lot of it seems to have to do with masculinity. Like you said, fatherhood is a major aspect of masculinity and how he deals with it. Seems like it might be, um, motivated by his upbringing or at least the ex life, life experiences that we're like privy to where he's just been in the system for a long time. Cause then as soon as Gail and Avell show up, he's like, well, just do crime again <laughs> yeah well i mean the other thing too he is also that, really wants to impress them which is a different kind of masculinity that they're presenting right they're and they the kind of they bust his balls like, a little bit about mm -hmm. who really he's wears head and pants and, and, yeah. Yeah, that kind of shit you and know the classic like, shit. oh man and he's swayed over by it which is interesting because he's not as swayed by so he doesn't buy into like the fake performative masculinity that uh his boss has right the suburban middle class empty uh, consumer masculinity i guess is what it would be so he's not too swayed by that he's more 
just like, man, this guy's got a lot of kids and he fucking sucks at telling racist jokes. <laughs> he just, just doesn't like the Polish. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> I don't mind them. I mean, we, uh, so the stereotype is that they're dumb. Yeah, but you, did you hear about the one the Polish man walked in the bar with shit in his hands? Yeah. There's also the, the one about, like, one of the Polish symbol player, Gilbert Godfrey's one. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> and then what they... There's they have like the secret recipe for ice. There's like this long running joke about Polish people on ice or something. I don't really know all the details of it, but it's like or they lost the recipe for ice or I don't know. Sorry, Poland and people of Polish descent. I know you get a fucking rough shake of it even to this day. Like a big part of Brexit was like they're like, We gotta get these goddamn poles out of here. <laughs> that shit's wild. <laughs> racism <laughs> just like <laughs> I know we talk about it a lot but like how it just doesn't make any sense even within the like the strict confines of like western anglosphere yeah. like j- race you know race concepts it's like well sorry Polish people you're not white again <laughs> <laughs> damn that's wild anyhow this is McMurray well the actor's name is McMurray um, he sucks telling Polish jokes he seems shitty High is not really impressed with them, you know. He's just like, eh, whatever. I need a job, I guess. But he is easily manipulated by Gale, possibly because it's John Goodman. <laughs> You're saying John Goodman can easily manipulate you? Not anymore. He's old now. I don't think he could beat me up. But at one point, he might have been able to beat me up. That's the thing is, he just like, I don't know. He seems pretty sturdy. <laughs> he's not one of those like Hulk. Yeah, he's not one of those like fat dudes where you're just like, whatever. Like, yeah, right. John Goodman's one of those fat dudes where you're like, hmm, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> this is even before he's in Roseanne, right? 87? Yeah. Because Roseanne starts in 89 or 90 or something like that. It starts around the same time as The Simpsons. Yeah, that's If you right. can believe. Simpsons, still ambling around along, huh? Uh, another 20 years, I'm sure. They, they Fox still makes a lot of money off of it, huh? You mean Disney still makes a lot of money off of it? Disney? Disney bought Fox? Holy sh- Yeah, you're right. What the fuck? Disney does own everything. Man, Simpsons World coming oh, to that Disneyland. Was a, what yeah, I wanted yeah. to talk about was uh, the D23. Oh. Where like, all right, Disney Plus is coming. Look at all our cool shit. Look at this cool shit. And I was like, man, fucking Cyberpunk just didn't happen. Well, it's happening. It's just like in the lamest fucking way possible. Like, it's... Cable companies and networks were like, man, we can't make that big old cash that quiche we used to make because of streaming services. So now it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. You just got to stream everything. You'll just pay 10 times as much as you did for cable. <laughs> Fuck it. Got them. <laughs> There's people that are totally going to. I'm just like, no, I guess I'm fucking going to pirate everything again. I'm not going to get Disney. Like, I probably won't renew Shutter because I don't use it as much as I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And then Netflix fucking sucks. So I guess I'm done streaming. But I like just hearing all the reports and stuff that are coming out from D23, whatever. Is that like some fucking Disney Business Expo or some shit? Yeah, it's like their convention. I think it's more like a fan thing. All of them are fan things now, even though they're really just like for the shareholders and shit. Everything is just performative bullshit. But anyways, I was just like, oh, this is fucking lame and (laughs) scary and dumb. Like everything. (laughs) It's, oh, I can't wait for that Disney healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I just more for Disney healthcare. I think they're probably going to stay mostly in the entertainment business. However, Amazon is going to fuck us with their healthcare. Well, yeah, I don't know. It just it really seems like we're careening toward collapse, like more than ever, like societal collapse. Uh, I don't know. I just fucking been listening to Shushu a lot because I got bummed out by World of Warcraft. So why not listen to the band that made you bummed out yeah, on your 18? Like, why don't I just listen to this uh, band that's really challenging emotionally? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? Let me listen to the band that's just all about directly confronting like personal horror and sorrow. <laughs> no problem. Oh, it's a, ten- a side story. Uh, I've met Jamie Stewart. We're on. A, we're already on a side story. Go ahead. I've met Jamie Stewart, Stewart quite a few times. You, know you met Jimmy Stewart? Jamie Stewart. Oh, Stewart. <laughs> Jamie Stewart from Shusha. Oh. Quite a few times. Hung out with him a little bit. He's a pretty cool guy. That's Do you talk it. about his cat's tongue a lot? No, but uh, one of the times I met him is when they were touring for Dear God, I Hate Myself. Mm-hmm. And one of their like merchandising was like, I love Shushu and cats. Or, like, fucking the only thing that matters is 
Shushu and cats or whatever. And he was wearing that shirt. We were eating at Denny's and he was eating at Denny's late at night. <laughs> so that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I've had a Denny's a lot late at night lots of times. Yeah. But I don't like it. I'd rather go to IHOP or, or uh, Waffle House. I mean, there's like been drinking you've been uh yeah i help her waffle house are my go-to i'd rather yeah. not go to denny's well we were in tucson which like tucson sucks Gosh, and denny's is close to like the venue so you can get like denny's nachos they're not bad when it's like three in the morning and you've been drinking and stuff i always want to order breakfast food yeah so yeah well, i met uh met him a few times in his illustrious career <laughs> the first time i met him was like for probably when um women as lovers came out and then again for Dear God I Hate Myself a few years later, had a few drinks with them randomly. I don't know, like it's weird. Like James, there's no way James Stewart remembers me, right? Because he's <laughs> hung out with so many fans, I'm sure. But it's like, yeah, I've hung out with him like three times. <laughs> <laughs> That's just funny. <laughs> What's his uh pennant and you know, on performative masculinity? Probably uh, doesn't like it very much since Shushu is pretty much all about feminism and he's bisexual and considers himself queer. Uh, has never really been about uh, traditional masculinity. Uh, hates that shit. Yells at people in the audience about <laughs> being the dickhole men. All songs are usually about toxic masculinity. I don't know. Basically, Jamie Stewart and Shushu is not for everybody. <laughs> A lot of people will listen to it. And uh, they'll be like, uh, this is garbage. It sounds like garbage. His his lyrics are way too confrontational. He's making me feel and think <laughs> things. The funniest <laughs> thing you, know, you just said is that his lyrics are too confrontational. Like, you think people actually listen to lyrics. Well, I, That's a good point. I mean, I guess they'll mostly never be popular because their sound is really, like, aggressive, too. Yeah, that's really what their problem is. Unsettling a lot of the time. Like, they have a whole album that's, like... We're only using analog Sith, and it's going to be scary. It's a good one. It's called Angel's Guts. It's a good album. <laughs> I wouldn't, that's not, this is now Shushu Cast. Yeah, this is now Shushu Podcast. Uh, Angel's Guts is not the Shushu album I would recommend if you're just getting into Shushu. It's a little bit too challenging. I know it's, oh, this is a challenging album. How pretentious, blah, blah. Fuck you. I know more about music than you do. <laughs> that's presumptive. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like... There's got to be, if the, the only way there's someone listening to this podcast who knows more, more about music than I do is like some like fucking critic who their <laughs> day job is talking about music. But uh, yeah, Angel's Guts, way too confrontational for introduction issues. You got to go with like Fabulous Muscles, uh, Women as Lovers, Forget, one of their recent albums where it's like more uh, kind of guitar dance pop centric. But keep in mind, the lyrics are going to be about uh sexual abuse uh, <laughs> uh sort of like violent crime um dealing with uh gender identity you know all that cool stuff that everyone in mainstream society loves to talk about <laughs> i'm surprised they aren't bigger now actually cuz uh, they were really cutting edge politically back yeah, then yeah. they've there kept, you go that's why and they've kept on track but i feel like the at least like the internet twitter nah, community man, and Tumblr like, and stuff might have caught up with shushu i don't know i don't I, it seems to me like the you know the people that are considered the, the far left or have you know more radically left ideas don't really get popular that's true well i, I just think maybe far left twitter were, you know the far left on the internet would be like championing shushu now but also uh the far left on Twitter doesn't seem like they like Shushu. The far much. left on the internet um, doesn't seem like they like culture at all. <laughs> Ooh, like, sorry for that hot take, but it seems like you motherfuckers, like, don't appreciate anything. <laughs> or, like, have no taste. Just like most people on the internet. I'm not saying the left, being a member of the left, I'm not saying that you guys specifically have no taste as compared to the right. Just it's, uh, we've already established that the far right has no taste. They see the like the death throes of capitalism and blame it on Jews. So like those guys don't understand anything. But people on the internet with like the biggest like bullhorns on the left and stuff, fucking you guys got no taste. <laughs> like I don't know what the deal is. Like you just I think you've never like gone outside or gone to shows or like had fun ever you just been on the internet like <laughs> feeling bad all the time and so now you got no taste and don't believe in anything 
That's kind of a bummer because if you want to convince people that anarchy is like cool and stuff, you should probably try and make it fun because it's supposed to be fun anyways. The whole thing is like, yeah, people can do drugs if they want. They can have sex with who they want. Like so, they fucking make that shit fun, <laughs> and maybe people will agree with you. I don't know. I don't know. You should have seen Raising Arizona. If you watched Raising Arizona, it actually pulled me out of a deep depression after World War It is such a fun movie. I was like, fucking, I don't, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I put on Raising Arizona, and they're chilling in the car after they steal the baby. And uh, Holly Hunter just starts crying. I was like, I love him so much. And I was like, yeah, this is a great movie. <laughs> she gives a powerhouse performance. I love Holly Hunter. Um, I hate to say it, but she's totally adorable in this movie, which is crazy to say because Holly Hunter is like definitely... One of those, like, very, she got big dick energy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, she'd yeah. yell your ass in real life, and you'd be like, thanks, Holly Hunter. <laughs> so it's weird to call her adorable, but, like, she is, like, super adorable in this movie. And, yeah, I don't mean to infantilize women. I'm not saying. Men it. can be adorable, too, Kyle. Yes. In fact, um, Avell's kind of adorable, too, because he's so infantilized in the film. He's, like, specifically infantilized. Yeah, he is, definitely. And then he takes on. Oh, another aspect of masculinity we were talking about. He takes on, like, the... Mother role. Mother role when they take the baby. Yeah, interesting. I do like when they um forget Junior on the hood and then drive off and then, like... They do it again. <laughs> well, I, I like the first time where they just start yelling. Because, like, <laughs> even if you... Yeah, you're, they're, like, shitty criminals, too, like, bank robbers and stuff, but... Protect, they're not. They don't seem to be murderers or anything crazy, right? So they're just like, "Oh my god, did we kill a baby?" <laughs> which would be like fucking the worst, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just like that. They're like, "Yeah," which makes sense. Um, Smalls doesn't care about killing babies, though. No, no, he's, he's like, "I'm gonna sell this baby to the highest bidder." He was sold as a baby. Yeah, well, he nineteen fifties dollars. Yeah, he implies he was, but we don't know where he gets his baby shoes. I guess he was wearing them when he was sold. They bronzed them for well, him. Well, I mean, I feel like, you know, if you buy a baby, you're going to give it shoes probably, right? What are you buying the baby for? Well, that's the thing is his trinket is specifically, you know, like you bronze. Yeah. Baby shoes. I know what like, bronze baby yeah. shoes are, asshole. But why? Like, that's like someone had to appreciate him a little bit for that to happen. Yeah, the people that bought him because they paid for him. Oh, but then why did he turn to such an asshole? Maybe the people who bought him were nice. <laughs> yeah, people that buy babies tend to be nice. Well, they bronze the shoes. There's like, they, you know what I mean? There's like an element of like, you something. know, I, I bet like Don Jr. has bronze baby shoes. Does that mean that his parents loved him and did, his, did I right his, by him? I think his mom probably loved him, right? I don't think so. His mom seems weird as shit. Oh. Tiffany's mom seems the of the normal. They all have different moms, right? Well, the Don and Ivanka and uh, Eric all have the same mom, and Tiffany uh, is Marla Maples, and then Baron is uh, Melania. Melania. Oh, so Ivana. Ivana Trump is Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka. Oh, I saw on Twitter you. Uh Someone like had a picture of them, all the family, and it's like, oh yeah, Don Junior's too many shapes. Yeah, and uh, if, I was like, what the fuck? How do you know which one's which? <laughs> like, obviously Ivanka is the lady. The I, I only here's the I, I know I really learned it because I was watching Saturday Night Live, and they make oh. her be the stupid one. That's the only reason I know. Oh. Like, I don't watch Saturday Night Live because Donald Trump was right about I don't know. Maybe he's been right about like two things or something <laughs> accidentally. One of them is Saturday Night Live is not funny. <laughs> I don't. I honestly do not know that Saturday Night Live has ever been funny. Well, I mean, there's always been a couple funny people on Saturday Night Live right. at one time or another, but it's like not ever good. I don't think. I don't think it's a good format, honestly. No, I mean, like, it's a sketch show. What do you want from it? To for it to be funnier, <laughs> spend some more time. I think the live format aspect of it is really detriment because you just gotta come up with shit in a week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you got to do it for the podcast, and I basically just bullshit the whole thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what they do too. Yeah, and it's like every there's like talented people on Saturday Night Live, and like I like Kyle Mooney who's on it, but he doesn't ever get to do anything because his shit's too weird. But I mean, it's like not good. Their political takes too are just like so. That's everybody. I mean, like I don't know. I've seen good political comments. Yeah, or big it was political satire in years. Who cares, man? Who cares? It's all just the same Twitter bullshit. <laughs> only three websites on the internet now and it permeates all of culture. Fucking Reddit, Twitter, and Tumblr. <laughs> screen caps from each Instagram. one posted everywhere. Posting screen caps from Reddit to Twitter, Twitter to Reddit, Tumblr. None of these websites are in Raising Arizona. 
No, the internet didn't exist yet. Well, yeah, it, it did, is. but it wasn't for like, it wasn't like um, mainstream consumer level internet yet. But uh, Al Gore would fi- help fix that. Remember when he got called out for saying he helped, you know, create the internet? Even though he and he, he absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> that's another problem, with Democrats. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's, he had like such a wimpy response to it, where he's just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Should have been like, "No, motherfucker, here's what I did." Stupid asshole, you didn't fucking create the internet, you fucking dick. <laughs> fucking, you wouldn't be able to fucking be on here tweeting your garbage, Donald Trump, if it wasn't for Al Gore. He was roommates with, um... Donald Trump and Al Gore. Al Gore was roommates with three-name guy. He's in No Country for Old Men. He's also Two-Face in Batman Forever. I know what you're talking about, but I'm gonna let you keep going. And, Starts with a T. And uh, he's also, uh, you know, uh, from like Tennessee or uh-huh. something. And he's very old Tom now. Thanks. Me. Lee Jones. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> got it. Got it. Man, I got fucking boomer brain now. <laughs> you, you Joe Biden over here. <laughs> yeah. Go to um, our website. It's Joe 3030 <laughs> I don't know. Fucking that's it. Raising Arizona is great. I don't feel like you actually got to your point about masculinity ever. What, what was the essay? I don't know. I kept getting sidetracked. Yeah, by you did. Thoughts. I haven't been sleeping right. Um, I guess my point is uh, performative masculinity is bad. Uh, I don't know. It is. But at the same point, like everybody in society is performing it's, it, to a certain extent every day. I don't give a fuck. I don't do that shit no more. <laughs> I'm not going to be performatively masculine. I like being presenting as masculine. And I am like masculine, like I like that. I like just taking my dick out and waving it around. No, circles, helicopters. You know what's crazy is they're just now thinking like, oh, maybe they should legislate people sending unsolicited dick pics. It's like, why wouldn't that's you don't walk around the street and just show women your dick, do you? <laughs> why would you just send a picture of your dick to say? I don't get it. I don't know. But that's because I've been raised by a feminist, and listen, <laughs> been listening to Shushu and shit, so I have like a code of ethics when it comes to treating other human beings. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Does that work? Does what? it ever work? I mean, I assume it works at some point. Otherwise, people wouldn't do it. But it can't be a very high success rate. I mean, honestly, if I got like random dick pics and like it was like a good looking dick, I'd be like, "You've never seen a good looking dick." There's good looking dicks. Don't lie to yourself. No, I'd there's be like, not. Oh well, I'm of the opinion that dicks are pretty cool, vaginas are pretty cool. I like the way human genitals look. There's something interesting about them. But if I see like a really handsome dick, I'd probably be like, "No, like." Oh, let's go on a date and get married now. But I'd be like, hey, man, that's a good dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't be upset about it. I'd be like, hey, that's a pretty good looking dick. But it's also. There's like an element of like threat to it, too. Yeah, it's, it's like also, it's way too aggressive. Well, it's different me receiving dick pics as a man and being able to say, like, hey, man, good dick. You know, because the threat's not really. It's somewhat negligible for me. But it's different when you just send it to women, obviously, because there is like. Haha, uh-huh, here's my dick. I gotcha. Yeah. I forced you to look at my dick. It's the same thing as like flashing people, right? Yeah. You know, that's why I don't understand how there's been like decades long disconnect from like, yeah, this probably should be illegal, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Society. That's what I mean. Society is just, we're, we're off the rails. We've been off the rails for a while now. Someone, like, somehow we just keep skipping back on for a little bit and then <laughs> it's over. It's yes. over for us. Green and oh shit! Yeah, it's curtains for us. Um, the beginning of the film, uh, a HI's um narrative narration is talking about Ronald Reagan being a bastard, but he's supposedly a good guy. How's a man supposed to work in these conditions? Uh, but maybe it's his. He's supposedly a good guy, so maybe it's his advisors. That's why he is leading such a what would be considered a terrible life, I guess, in mainstream circles, but. Seems to be doing all right, in my opinion. He's got a trailer home in beautiful suburban Tempe. Tempe, as I like to call it. Tempe. One time, like pee-pee. one time, I got a ticket for public urination in Tempe. Oh. But I was like in an alleyway behind a dumpster, like super like secreted away. And a bicycle cop just happened to be going <laughs> that down That sucks, because one time I legitimately peed in the uh, public, the fountain outside the library, and then I didn't got. Yeah, and they're like, here's your ticket for public urination. And I was like, it wasn't really in public, was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he also pushed me while I was peeing. Because like, he like snuck up on me legitimately. How does a bike cop sneak up on you? He's a fucking silent bike. <laughs> also, I was drinking, obviously. <laughs> so it's like not my... I wasn't... 
at the height of my senses. I, I don't really... know. I feel like if I'm ever peeing in an alleyway, I got my heckles up. I yeah, I don't know. I was like, oh yeah, we just gotta get this pee out because it's obviously emergency. he's trying to get you to pee on yourself. It was yeah, an emergency situation. And yeah, I don't, I don't cop to that. That's when you're just doing cop shit, man. That's what I'm talking about. Fucking these goddamn cops out here. Fucking I'll piss on you, man. (laughs) You should have. You should be like, oh, Then he would have got arrested. So I would have got my fucking ass shot. They would probably not. They probably would have tried to club you first. Those horse cops would have come by and trampled me. (laughs) Horse cops are always down on mill. Yeah, they won't let you touch the horse. Stupid. I want to pet the horse. Fucking that horse is being abused. Dogs too. The dog, how they train dogs for police and yeah, animal abuse. So nothing. Plus, they constantly leave those goddamn dogs in their cars in Arizona, and they die. Yeah, and they do weird shit. Where like, oh, we got to practice repelling down a building with my fucking dog. Why? Yeah, you're gonna repel. Are you gonna breach a building with your dog? Why? Where do you think you work? Yeah, you're <laughs> a fucking cop, man. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Go home and beat your wife, you <laughs> piece of shit. Navy SEAL. Yeah, so anyways, fuck cops. They're doing performative masculinity shit, toxic masculinity. I don't know. I'm tired of, like, fucking whatever masculinity is supposed to be in modern society. I saw people on Reddit trying to make the argument that masculinity was determined by women because they choose who's most sexually viable. But, I mean, I guess there's an element of Some masculinity is determined by women. But it doesn't seem like women like a lot of that hyper-masculinity shit that seems no, they don't. I've never met a woman that's like, like, yeah, well, I guess I've met a couple, but (laughs) most people I meet are not into that shit. Yeah, so it's almost as if there's an element of, like, um, sort of cultural sabotage or you're being forced to conform to... Uh, some level of masculinity that these old ass white dudes who run society have determined is masculinity, or what sells the most products, or does consumption end and art begin? I don't know. I don't feel like the traditional form of masculinity really sells a lot of uh, moves a lot of product these days. Fucking NFL's doing great, is it? I think so, right? I think they still make millions of dollars. They are. They're doing. I mean, they're doing fine. I just don't think they're doing as well as they were, say, you know, like five years ago. But I could be wrong. Oh, and I don't mean to um, take anything away from the struggles of what fem- femininity means either. That's obviously a big cultural problem, too. But we're specifically talking about masculinity today, which I feel like can't we can't really talk about what femininity means in no, society no, since really. we haven't experienced it at all. So, sorry, ladies. Um, I'll try to get one of my girlfriends to come <laughs> on the podcast when it comes up. Maybe she can talk about her struggles with it. But right now, this is sad white boy hours. This is sad boy hours around here. This I'm not that sad. Right I, except for the fact that I live in a society. <laughs> yeah, I'm sad posting on Twitter. Uh, I live in a society. It wants me to be something I'm not. And uh, actually, I feel like so I've the pressure. I've always been aware of the pressure. Like, oh, this is this is what you do. This is mainstream society. I've just never really done it. So that's cool. <laughs> it's not like I've necessarily been like imprisoned for it but you can be for not being masculine enough yeah i mean they would love to criminalize uh transgenderism and homosexuality i mean they were it was at one point yeah, I mean, so, you know i mean yeah they'd love to do it again and they'll find any way that they can do it that's the whole reason the fucking bathroom debate is still ongoing in the south and shit because it's like oh no you're a criminal we all know you're criminal sex perverts <laughs> i've seen john waters movies perfectly accurate representation of the lgbt community i also want to challenge the fact that they probably probably haven't seen john waters movie yeah i mean maybe hairspray they don't have fun oh they've seen hairspray that one's like doesn't have as much teeth to it though, because it's just about uh, race in the United States, or desegregation, which is people have like been there. A lot of people are like, well, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's a <coughs> excuse me, interesting thing about um, like uh, LGBTQ like art and film and stuff, and even like elements of like pride and stuff, where it's supposed to be really in your face and like um aggressively like sort of confrontational like art you know but then the problem is not the problem but i just as i said where uh people on the right confuse capitalism with uh, anti-semitism they like see this like over-the-top performance confrontational like art 
And they're like, oh, that's how gays are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's not a problem with the uh, LGBT community or the art at all. It's just (laughs) fucking dummies who don't understand anything. That shit's funny. I mean, it's dangerous, but it's funny, too. It just sucks that they have power. Like, how do you get so much power when you're an idiot? Well, you got your daddy at it, and so it just passes on down. Yeah, I wish I had that fucking essay still, because there was, like, a paragraph from it I wanted to read that would have solidified what my point was, but I don't remember it. I haven't been sleeping very well. World of Warcraft ruined my life. <laughs> Fuck you, Blizzard. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm going to play it You're anymore. supporting capitalism, Kyle. Yeah, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, except for eating pussy. I don't know that... I mean, you're not really participating in sort of capitalism there, unless you're That's just right. a sex worker, in which case... I mean, you're doing the sex work part of capitalism. You don't got to pay taxes on that shit. Boom. Yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, fuck, really? Yeah. <laughs> I like, got Al Capone's ass. Yeah, I like that I, the IRS is like, we don't care what you do, but you got to give us money. <laughs> you got to give us our cut. <laughs> yeah. You can do crime. Just give us our cut. Yeah, so I guess that's capitalism. I don't know. Well, if you're not participating in sex work and you're just doing it out of... Uh, Love, lust, or regular human feelings, then that's it, man. That's it. All you got to do is eat pussy and ass. Is there anything more masculine than that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. Oh, what are we watching next week? Well, next week is our fucking 50th episode anniversary spectacular. I think we've been doing it for like a year or two. Well, 52 episodes would be a year, right? Yeah, but we actually like started uh, that's true. early, and then we had like a backlog before we started Yeah, posting. so it might be a year coming up. Well, I think mine's I got to re-up our fucking subscription. Yeah, we for recorded the... the first episode like in July or August, I think. So. Did we? Yeah, it was still summertime. It's still summertime right now. Oh, did you see the new Lana Del Rey music video? Nope. She's like 50 feet tall walking around LA, so I have a new fetish now. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. The 52 foot tall woman. Yeah. I remember that. Giant panties. Wow. Maybe I always had that fetish. Yeah, it's our fifth year. It's anniversary spectacular. We're going to be watching the fucking greatest animated film of all time. Akira. (laughs) Akira. Akira. Uh, I was going to say a Studio Ghibli movie, but you you cut me out. (laughs) Studio Ghibli presents Akira, right? (laughs) It's all from Japan. It's all the same shit. No, it's going to be fucking good. Um, It's going to, I don't know, probably be a long episode. I'm working on some ideas, workshopping some ideas in my brain about some things we talk about. <laughs> trying to, like, hammer down the format a little bit more. Have, like, <laughs> this this episode, I think you, I think you nailed it. <laughs> no, nah, it would have been better if I was, like, sleeping, right, I think. But, oh, also, shit, man, we can have a new theme song next week. Oh, man. It's going to be the extendo version, too. Oh, you know, we'll cut it for the next one? Yeah, after that, it'll be cut down. But it's going to be extendo version. It's the director's cut, the ultimate version of the theme song. It's going to be pretty dope. So, watch Kira. Also, to get prepared, you'll probably want to read um, Bart Kira, which is... Uh, the entire manga of Akira with Bart Simpson being redrawn with Simpsons characters. Bart Kira, catch up or uh, you know brush up on your Baudrillard. <laughs> you got a whole week, so <laughs> should be fine, right? I mean, there's people that go to school for years just learning about Baudrillard and similar. <laughs> you concepts. know what I call those people? Lame. If I had fucking disposable income. All I would do is go to, like, your fucking philosophy classes. Dude, you don't need to go to a philosophy class. You could read it yourself. Yeah, but I'm fucking lazy about getting recommendations. I've put in so much work over the years of, like, finding shit to read on my own. It's not like I have a degree or went to school some shit. I'm independently educated, but I'm tired of it. <laughs> I want some asshole to tell me what to read. <laughs> I want Stalin back. Stalin, tell me what to read. God damn it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> nothing by anybody with a T in their name. Yeah, so that's uh, anyone, uh, the tankies on the internet. I think they just got daddy issues, right? That's the same people that really like Jordan Peterson, but maybe don't necessarily hate women. They're <laughs> just like, I really need someone to tell me what to do. I need Stalin. I need a strong right Stalin, daddy. <laughs> yeah, I need Stalin to tell me what to do. And like, anarchy will never work because you need someone to tell you what to do. Yeah, anarchy's for kids. Except for you're the one that needs someone to tell you what to do to be a good person. Interesting. <laughs> someone like Joseph Stalin. 
Big Daddy Stalin. You seen pictures of him when he was young, though? I mean, he's a handsome guy. Like, All right, Stalin. <laughs> Wonder what his dick pics look like. <laughs> I bet they. I bet they're substantially handsome. They're probably girthy. He looks like he's got a handsome dick. <laughs> I don't know about what that. What if he had, you know, um, that classic picture of him where he's young, where he's got like a nice five o'clock shadow, but a big mustache kind of too. Are you gonna do something about like a bushy? Yeah. What if he? Area? What if he had that mustache down below? Now that. That'd be a handsome day. <laughs> <laughs> Genteel, even. <laughs> All right, see you next week. This has been Stalin Dickcast. Yeah, and Shoo Shoo and other stuff. I don't know. Our podcast is better than everyone else. We got better taste than everyone else. Everyone else is fucking like, yeah, uh, fucking uh, Joker's coming out. Uh, you think it'll be good? Dick suck. You get your dick sucked, or we suck the dick of Warner Brothers. How does it work anymore? Oh, man, Marvel doesn't got Spider Man anymore. Ah, oh, jeez, can't wait to subscribe to the Mandalorian channel. Yeah, movies. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs>